Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 204, episode 3 of Your Daily Zeitgeist! Yeah! <laughs> that was a quick one. Yeah! Yeah! It's a production of iHeartRadio, and it's a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness, and it's Wednesday, September 29th, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. I've hiked through the desert in some jorts with no shame. I got some <laughs> chafing relief from the rain. Cause in the desert, thy definition's no game. And if there ain't no pain, then there won't be no gain. I sing la, and then you know the rest. That is courtesy of Lex Lugie, and I'm thrilled to be joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray! Well, it's a rare condition this day and age <laughs> to read any good news on the newspaper page. Love and tradition of the grand design. Some people say it's even harder to find. Well, then there must be some magic clue inside these swollen balls. Because <laughs> all I see is a tower of dreams a real come bursting out of every <laughs> seam as days go by and now just go we play no games we're a family anyway shout out to Lockernoy on the discord you know i yeah, love yeah. a family matters uh, theme song you know i was so. trying to place it that's <laughs> right that. Family Matters, yeah. but you you kind of started out in a deep gravelly place, like the original Family Matters theme song. Yeah, I, I had to channel that, and then then you kind of right. lose focus, and then it becomes its own thing. You know. Uh, well, my host, we are thrilled to be joined in our third seat by a hilarious and talented comedian, podcaster, and artist who hosted the classic podcast Professor Blastoff, yep. hosts the ongoing podcast Space Cake, uh, yep. draws some truly hilarious comics, and his new stand-up special animation cinematographical extravaganza big nothingness all of which you can find on davidhuntsberger.com uh which was a smart place to put it all because that's his name please welcome the brilliant the oh. talented david huntsberger oh thank you wow what a what an introduction i mean what's up man not much good to see you guys it's been yeah a while. it's great yeah. to see you yeah it's good to see you you guys are the final, uh, well, not to give too many spoilers away, but in Big Nothingness in the thank yous, the Z, Zeitgeist, the last wow. note, the final note of script. So you Beautiful. guys, thanks for letting wow. me uh, promote, I think, the live show that I was doing when we, when we taped it, right before yeah. everything shut down. Yeah. yeah. And wow. the, the haircut was, when did the haircut come? Was it? Oh right! I, I yeah. believe the last time I saw you, oh, yeah, you, were, you were waving. You're looking real, <laughs> yeah, real Jesusy. Which was the? I, I'm assuming you cut your hair right before the the live show. Yeah, that the day yeah. of. We shot some wow. stuff with the long hair early in the day, and then uh, the hairstylist came in, cut it all off, and then we kept it so we could uh, donate some of it. And then she just trimmed the rest, and everyone was like, "Is that going to be so weird?" To get used to, I'm like, oh, no, I don't care. It is a little weird because you're, you don't, your hair is kind of like just walked outside and seen the sun for the first time in ages. Yeah. So it's just, it's not acting normal. It just has different, like, I want to curl this way or whatever <laughs> right. I was doing. But yeah, yeah, it was um, the day of. It was a real like Christian Bale type dedication to, uh, yeah, the man. project. I mean, two yeah. feet long hair, whatever it was. People yeah. need to go check it out to kind of fully appreciate what we're talking about. But it is, <laughs> you know, there there are those stand up albums that have like the weird like short film at the beginning of them, and then it just goes into a regular stand up album. But this is an entire like work of art film that it that it like has a stand up album kind of or a stand up special embedded within it. I highly, highly recommend it. It's oh, awesome. thanks, man. Yeah, man. I've uh, been really calling cool. it a uh, presento just because I think the term special is so ridiculous. I mean, it's <laughs> comedy is supposed to be silly and dumb. And yet there's this name like, oh, I've made a special. <laughs> I've made it's a just special for So people. weird to me. So, yeah. And I just think it's different. So I've been calling it something else. But thanks, man. I, I'm yeah, glad like you I, watched it. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I called it extravaganza. 
but, uh, <laughs> oh, I, I like, like that uh, too. Yeah, yeah it could yeah. be that Present, as well. Presento is nice as well. All right, David, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. Okay. Uh, first, we're going to tell the listeners a few things we're talking about today. Uh, we're going to talk about the shit show on Capitol Hill, all the you know political maneuverings that are and aren't happening. Yeah. When there's we're, just one thing that could solve it all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Steve Bannon's homeschooling campaign to get conservatives, the hailstorm of mothers or whatever the fuck he's calling it, uh, to get yeah. to homeschool, homeschool their kids. Uh, we will talk about how, like the levels of fandom have just kind of reached a new a new high. And that is where uh, buying the used underwear of your preferred celeb, all of that, plenty more. But first, David. Uh, we do like to ask our guests, what is something from your search history? I just looked it up. I know I normally come on and I'm like, I don't really have, I usually do it all in private browsing because I, I hate the feeling of when an ad comes into your thing. Of like, oh, are you, yeah. you thinking about that? Yeah. Uh, but I was looking up free use music and this, uh, this is kind of a, a long story, so I'll make it as short as possible, but... So Big Nothingness was supposed to come out Friday and I had years prior reached out to this band and said, hey, I'd like to license this song. A person in the band said, sounds good. Let me contact you with a label person. The label person said, yeah, just show us what you've made. And as long as they like it, should be a breeze. And then I just somehow conflated that in my mind that the band said, yeah, yeah, you have it. You have the song. It was just like one extra step. So it was close. Yeah. And then I'm I had it edited and done for quite a while before it came out, and I just forgot. I'd think of it every now and again driving, like, oh, yeah, when I get home, I need to send them that. And I just kept forgetting until, like, a week beforehand. And the woman at the label who'd been so polite no longer worked there. And the other people were like, we'd like a lot of money. We'd yeah. like a <laughs> lot of money. And I was like, ah! And so I had to just, and I was up in the woods. I had no internet. I would have to like race down, use this horrible Wi-Fi, but then my computer battery would die. So I'd zoom back oh, up the hill and turn on a generator and plug, like charge my laptop back and forth. And then luckily my friend Andy Crest, who goes by the name Krestovsky, had a song that I had on a hard drive. And I messaged him like, dude, can I use this? And he's like, Absolutely. So the end music you hear is like this last minute. It reminded me of like when the South Park guys, you know, that six minutes to like turning shit in right before the end. It kind of, right. this wasn't the same sort of demand as like a Comedy Central episode of South Park, but the feeling of of the rush was was definitely right. similar. So Just cramming uh, it together. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's actually a little behind the scenes is that's sort of how we got the theme music for our show was through, uh, you know, Miles having some music from a friend on a hard drive and us being like, this music is amazing. And then him just reaching out and being like, Hey, could we use, Hey, can I this? use this? Hey, is it cool? <laughs> hey, can I use this? He's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, that beat that I made as a joke. I'm like, it's no joke. <laughs> this is joke my whole me. identity on the internet. <laughs> this um, trap beat will live forever. Yeah, I, yeah. I, dude, I totally understand. I've totally sympathize with the thing of like, oh, yeah, I got to put a pin in that. I'm going to do that when I get home. And then Man. it turns into a fucking nuclear apocalypse when you're like, I could have <laughs> this. Absolutely. I'm I'm like, I binged all of Narcos. I had the time. I could have <laughs> done this. Right. And the whole time I was just sitting there like, well, not a lot I can do now. Just got to kind of wait. And then it'll, right. this launch date will happen. And then that scramble. Yeah, it's just the worst feeling because I was so falsely comfortable. People would ask me like, I like that song. And I go, yeah, yeah, it's a funny story. I got the rights to that like right out of the gate. And then looking at that email <laughs> chain and just kind of that sinking feeling of like, oh, yeah. shit, I, I don't have it. Yeah. Brutal. The whole uh, infrastructure of people, like I, I sometimes think about this when I'm driving somewhere in Los Angeles and in the middle of the day and I, the you know, I'm in traffic and I'm like, what do all these people do for a living? And I like... Then I think back to any time I've tried to get like music rights or like a movie clip licensed. And I'm like, oh, right. It's all of like for every <laughs> one person who's actually creating something, there are a hundred people who are like just uh, sending and receiving emails about like getting paid and paying uh, yeah. each other for the use of that thing. It's so 
uh, annoyingly complicated. Yeah. It is. It didn't take away my love of the initial song because I I cut the cord on that as fast as possible because once it starts to become those sort of vultures pecking off their slice of it, I was just thinking like, how much of this money that you want is truly going to this artist? I would guess way less than this. I'd rather just pay them directly and be like, hey, can you write a song as opposed to the feeling of dealing with that, of that. right. It's just awful. And this whole project was the opposite of that. It was people like, oh, yeah, I want to help. I like doing creative stuff. I need something to do during the pandemic. So anytime someone was like, I'll do it, but I need X amount of money. I was like, it's just not a good fit. It's not that I don't like your thing. It's just it's not the spirit of it. Yeah, totally. And the song was Let It Be by the uh, Beatles, correct? But <laughs> those guys yeah. are tr- they're tricky. <laughs> Evidently they got pretty popular at one point. I did not know that. <laughs> Just a song my grandma would sing to me when she'd wash my hair, you know. I didn't think it was anything more than that. I thought she made it up. She was very musical. <laughs> In fact, I, I do remember being in like a jewelry store once and hearing a very similar sound and I thought, oh sweet, they covered my grandma. But it yeah. never occurred to me. <laughs> she always said it was her song she made up. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to dispute that with them. I'm going to yeah. dispute that with them. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and her name was Beatty. What if, guys? I get, I get in there. Right. I find out they stole their whole damn catalog. I find this go. recipe book full of lyrics. It could. I mean, I, I want to rule it out. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the version of the uh, Beatles movie that we need is yeah. finding out right. that the Beatles. They did exist, uh, so we don't have to do that flight of fancy, but they just stole all the music from yeah. somebody in your family. And they were in Germany, you know? Right. They yeah. came upon your grandmother's Oh, and your your grandmother was working at the burlesque bar where they were playing. Yeah. yeah. Every and night. was a dancer and gave them all their songs. Mm-hmm. Wow. What is this? Like, what's that Shakespeare movie that was, like, kind of doing a similar thing? Like, can you imagine a real earnest? What's that like earnest, like sort of conspiracy version of like who Shakespeare was, or he was like a highborn like lord? Yeah, I've that one is I I find that conspiracy theory and the obsession with it problematic because it's well, of course, it's just the House of Lords being like it must have been a high. No, but I would love a movie that just piss Beatles (laughs) fans off like that. Like, nah, 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 that's not where they got. This is real. You need to take this serious. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we will uh after we record, we'll uh break that story more and yeah. oh, that'd be, and, uh, that'd be fun. break it down. Let's do, let's yeah. at least dig into it. Six yeah. series. Let's put some note cards up on the wall. Yeah. See if we can get a first act together real quick. <laughs> Hi, what started as a joke led us down a really <laughs> wild path. And thanks for joining us. When we get to the bottom of real dramatic music. That's Dave So and so. He's talking about their time in Berlin. And when I first uh, met him, I thought <laughs> it's, it's an in the investigative show. journalism. Yeah. yeah. Starly Kind narrates. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh man, what is uh, what is something you think is overrated? Guys, I said this last time and I feel so bad, but I, I think as much as we're frustrated with uh, people and their reactions to the science with COVID and, you know, we're, we're frustrated with people going, I don't think it's, I don't think it's what it is. And every, everything that from the science goes, yeah, yeah, you should take this more seriously. We are dealing with that. Uh, and the next big one, obviously, is going to be climate change. And I think I said this last time, but sneaker culture is the fucking worst. Like stuff made by kids in sweatshops as a commodity that is not necessary. People are homeless mm-hmm. on the street, no shoes, and be like, oh, this one's tangerine. It is the most manufactured, unnecessary, textile, wasteful thing you could have on the planet. All those shipping containers falling in the ocean, large amount of them with shoes. I know this hurts to hear. I, you're probably angry at that. You're like, I, I, I have some on hold right now. I have, I have my s- Levi Jordan 4s behind me right but there. But what you Jesus. are by doing that is someone's uncle who wears their mask under their nose. That's you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, in the broad scheme of things. It's, that, it's wild to sort of look at, especially like where we're at in society with like things rapidly declining in many different ways, like how consumer culture and these other ways are like manifesting and like overdrive with like fast fashion. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw like a, a like a dude's like sneaker room that was like the size of like a, like a like a substantial bedroom that was just mm-hmm. all shoes that had never been worn and like this sort of idea of like look at this my stale stock that I will just gaze upon and I'm a, I love sneakers like I'm I've they're they're my shit 
But over the years, I've had to have to sort of a reckoning with what it means to overpay for something that you wear on your feet and like the the marketing aspects of it, too, because so many shoes are meant to like create this false sense of scarcity to like get people to buy a ton of shit. And then you start looking at, you know, other ways to subvert that market through, you know, replicas and things like that. But yeah, it, it is it is wild to kind of see this like embrace of like these temporary objects when in a way I'm like, those things, you're not going to be able to eat those. Like, <laughs> right. no. this, yeah, th- they're like, even like I've had to consider like, what does it mean to put your hard work, your hard earned money into these sort of things? And does that help me for the future or what I think I'll need for the future? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like very few Nikes have the type of shoe leather that once we're all starving, we can like soak in water and eat like uh, <laughs> like the dollar hey, party. That's <laughs> right. why I got to get New Balance, <laughs> the shoe you can eat. Yeah, <laughs> I do love. Uh, you know, Miles My, made brief reference to it, but the the replicas, just you know, the people who are sort of like you know knockoff artists who will will get you for a much lower price, basically the exact same shoe, is a good it's, way to subvert the market. It's caused a whole thing where people get in arguments online over replica sneakers versus like retail versions that you buy from Nike. And you can tell that people have like this spot where they realize like, but that's not real. And then you're like, (laughs) but you didn't know that. And you're looking at it and you responded to it as if it were real. So what is that actually saying? Yeah. But but then people are going to then I'm going to know. It's like that you knew that you threw away two thousand dollars on a pair of shoes. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, so, so what is, what is the value system? Is it to, to signal to other people that you are a reckless spender? <laughs> um, yeah. or, you know, like, is it about a shoe? But I think it's, I think these are all kinds of the many things that come into focus, especially as like, you know, the, the, the chasm between haves and have nots wide. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, definitely. It's basically the metaphysics thought experiment, the ship of, TCS because it's being made in the same factory by the same, you know, using the same material. It's just not like official. And so it costs like a thousand dollars less. But what does that mean about me? Exactly. <laughs> I'm I'm over leveraged in a world where it's all about what you can buy and the yeah. drip. Yeah. Donate <laughs> the the money you're saving to to a good cause. But thinking of the the things that we manufacture to keep life sort of like keep us moving, keep that wheel turning, you know, I, I wonder how many athletes win a Super Bowl and then they just kind of look at this trophy and they're like, this was just made up. Like a bunch of people just decided this was the thing we should all go for. And then they wear a ring and they're like, someone told me this was like going to make my life feel worthwhile. And then they even get like the Hall of Fame jacket and they're like, this was all just created. It's not, this isn't right. like a tangible, real thing. It's just manipulated, manufactured by humans to say, you did it. This is success. This is really success. And then we chase those with like, I think if I have all these shoes or if I have this type of car or whatever it is, I've succeeded. I've done it. People will yeah. like give me a, a stamp of approval on life. But you yeah. know, it's funny. I, I used to believe that so much. Like if I have this, then I can be happy. Mm-hmm, and right. It takes, and I had to really go down that path to a point where I realized that shit is so fucking foul, made up, uh, not real. And that you, when you reverse the things, try being happy first. And yeah. a lot of other things will fall into place. When you make things conditional like that, it can really hold you back and actually prevent you from, you know, like you're saying, like enjoying like much more simple things than a, like attaching it to like attaining something or having a certain job or living in a certain place. And yeah, like chasing that dragon will fucking exhaust you. Um, that's why like, you know, I, I got very much into like positive psychology where a lot of that is like dealing with things like you, we have to sort of rethink how we talk about bringing ourselves to like an optimal place emotionally, like with our happiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. My yeah. dad uh, is a basketball coach and he went from, getting fired from the University of Dayton like to he became the assistant at University of Kentucky and they won the the championship like three years later. And what you just said was literally like the first time I like had a quiet moment, like talking to him after it. That was exactly what he was just like. Yeah, you know, like the thing. It's not like some moment where you're like, ah, and now I can rest. You like immediately realize that it's all about 
like the challenge of like getting there was like the thing that you should have been enjoying the whole time. Mm-hmm. It's it's for sure the the case. What is something you think is underrated? This one frustrates me because I this was like a month ago or so. And like in the middle of the night, I was doing, I was putting some dishes away or something. And I was like, oh, that's a great one. And I thought of something <laughs> I, really, I really believe. And just like the goddamn song, I didn't write it down. I was like, that'll come back to me. And man, it was something so simple. But I don't know. I guess. Hey, uh, making a to-do list, huh? underrated <laughs> <laughs> the notes i think have. i'll go with that i think like having all your shit organized so underrated that it gets oh, knocked on it. like it makes you feel, you know people will kind of paint you as like you're uptight or you're a little too like what you know organized nah. it's so underrated you just the stress and clutter that goes away with having all that shit in line well oh, yeah that's shit i'm dealing with now you know like i i used to be like oh, i got that i got that i'll get it done and it's in your mind or I'll mm-hmm. write it on like loose scraps of paper. And, you know, now my shit looks like I'm working on like a new season of cereal with like all these like <laughs> loose papers, like joint, like smashed together. And I'm like trying to make sense of what the fuck I was trying to do. Uh, <laughs> where now, like I very much use my like notes app with like the checkbox feature on my list. So I can be Whoa. like, I have to do that. Bing! Because a lot of the times I'll procrastinate to just avoid the stress of engaging with the thing that I have to do or ask someone for something or get something done that it's easier to be like, okay, I'll get to that. But then that shit just weighs on me a lot more than I actually realized versus just like when it happens, like either address it immediately or put that shit down to do immediately because then so much of that shit just fades away because I'm like, I know that actively like, that's right, I'm going to engage with this. I do. I think some of it too can be a little subconscious. Like you're, you're almost sort of challenging yourself as if, I don't even know what it's like, like walking on ice or something, or you're like, if I fall through, I only have myself to blame. You'll have a good idea. Or this happens all the time with stand up. You're like, I should write that down. And then sometimes, and I know certain things have just just faded into vapor and I never wrote them down because part of my brain was like, Ooh, I kind of like having it out there and I didn't like grab it. I didn't like bring it in and write it down. And then right. you afterward when you forget it, you're like, why did why did I even chance yeah. that? The fuck for what was I <laughs> there's no reason to do that. Like, it used yeah. to kind of be like, oh well, if it's a good one, it'll stick around. I'll remember it. And that's right. so dumb. Cause they yeah, not it, true. They leave. You'll get <laughs> into a boat too where you're like, man, I forgot better jokes than this motherfucker <laughs> putting on the album. And then I'm like, yeah, but you forgot them. But you forgot so, them. That's part of it. <laughs> part of it is make, <laughs> making them tangible. My, my, my. If I want to remember my shoes, I'd be dominating on this court right now. Oh. my socks on the bench. <laughs> uh, all right. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And all right, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick plunge into the ice bath of uh fucking Capitol Hill, you know, what what they refer to as bipartisanship, but it's just a completely dysfunctional clusterfuck. So yeah. Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden uh, had a stated goal of voting on the infrastructure deals by Thursday of this week the like bipartisan deal that's puny and you know not what is needed and then the 3.5 trillion dollar build back better package that seems to be more in line with sort of what we are facing and for like because it's the democrats their plan was to keep them both around you know you got to keep keep both moving bills in tandem, moving in know? tandem uh yeah. which is ridiculous that they're even considering that but now they're not even going like they're saying they're going to vote on the bipartisan one that they don't want before they vote on the one. Yeah, because the whole point was to pass the three point five trillion dollar reconciliation package and get that they did. And they're like, so like, hey, Senate, get that shit done. But also but we're clearly that's still just being negotiated as mansion and cinema and many other people and even in the house there's like there's just so much wavering about what around what should happen so now it's like well fuck like pelosi sort of statement was something to the effect of like hey well you know things are changing rapidly so we're just gonna have to adapt to the situation like we may have to bring this to a vote sooner than we anticipated 
Uh, meanwhile, you know, progressives have been holding out saying like, if this reconciliation shit does not pass, don't look for us to vote for this infrastructure package. Like these, like we need to have an actual robust social safety net that is being uh, essentially teased in this uh, larger reconciliation bill. And so there's like a balancing act of, well, how do we please them? How do we please moderates who don't want anything to change? And it's just becoming like more and more of a headache. Like apparently Pramila Jayapal was like on the phone with like Kirsten Cinema, like trying to like get her to come around to like understanding like, hey, I don't know what you're, you keep saying, like you're worried about how it's paid for, but we're going to pay for it by changing the tax codes to be able to, you know, shift the burden to like the hyper wealthy. And while also, you know, relieving taxes for just normal people. And we're still kind of in this stalemate. So that's been a terrible thing to watch because it's Biden's entire fucking agenda, essentially, as we go into a midterm year. And meanwhile, <laughs> that's not the only fucking problem. We got Mitch McConnell getting his Senate goons together to basically they voted to block a bill that was going to keep the government funded and prevent a shutdown. And right. now they're also set, talking all this shit about the debt ceiling and perhaps having the government default because it won't raise the debt ceiling, even though Democrats were doing that because they know it's just you just don't want to be the party that's saying no to that because it essentially it's needed to give many American people all kinds of services. So now it looks like McConnell is trying to manufacture maybe a recession right. so he can point the finger at Joe Biden. Uh, so they have something to go into into the uh, midterms. And the sad thing is you could get so many things done if you just got rid of the fucking filibuster. Right. And they're not go they're not considering that because why? I don't know. I've I, I've I've only read so many headlines about all these contingency plans that they have in the House and Senate. Well, if there's like plan A, there's plan B, there's plan C. And none of them are like, just use our fucking majorities. And right. Like, is it just mansion? Is mansion the main if he were to say, like, yeah, I'm, I'm now in favor of the filibuster, would it immediately happen? Or did they just no, go like, oh, we don't have, have him and we don't have it? There's also Kirsten Cinema, who's been, you know, it's like, uh, especially with Mansion and Cinema, they've been clearly selected by big business to put like the full court press on them. Like whether it's to, you know, run ads that like question their ability to hold office, like more from another standpoint, mm -hmm. or just showering them with donations to block certain measures that would kind of begin to have a not huge shift, but a pretty substantial shift in how we do business in this country. So they're yeah. kind of like these fixed figures who are using a lot of like think tank talking points that aren't real to sort of explain their position. Well, let I mean, me it, ask you this, because it seems like you're passionate about it. And with passion, there comes optimism. And do you remain optimistic? Because you just mentioned like big business, the powers that be, the string pullers, it seems like an unwinnable situation regardless. It seems like the things that have a grip and maybe generationally, the next generation will just all be like, oh, I'm not voting for this person. There's a ton of money behind them. And mm -hmm. we'll have to like put that in their heads of just keep an eye on that. That's going to be the biggest decider. I mean, it's not I don't know if I'm necessarily optimistic for what happens here. I am. Unfortunately, I just feel like it like most Americans that there, it's not enough to explain very clearly what has to be done to prevent absolute strife for people. Right. And then the strife has to occur and bodies pile up and then people figure it out. I'm optimistic that that process might work. <laughs> but don't you think, I mean, 670,000 dead and people being like, I still don't want to wear a mask. I mean, maybe we've transcended that period of people giving a fuck about people laying dead on the street. Yeah, I, I, well, I think we're also like, you know, this kind of goes along with there's there seems to be a, a reorganizing of society, especially like in America. And, and I imagine all over the world, too, like where there are people who are willing to actually acknowledge real issues that are occurring and pain and suffering and deal with it. And there are mm -hmm. people who would rather turn it into an abstraction to just turn it into a talking point and not really look at it as these are the these are actual outcomes dealing with human beings. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a lot of it is connects too with like people who, you know, whether you are denying the pandemic because you yourself don't want to acknowledge that you're living in a world that is completely out of your control and like in the form that a fucking virus could threaten your life or, you know, like they're, they're, they're sort of expressing itself in many ways. 
I I don't know. I I honestly it's it's hard to say. It's nice to see that progressives in the house are saying we absolutely will not bow to this because they under like at least this small group of people have an understanding that something substantial needs to occur a to just keep like uh, progress happening, but also to get deliver people like real tangible outcomes that they can then take to a ballot box and understand like, oh, right, this works. Mm -hmm. I I honestly I'm I'm, but overall, I'm very cynical because as long as, you know, corporations have outsized influence like this, it's going to I don't know how you really uh, go up against it unless people are really able to decouple themselves from all the propaganda that they see. Do you think it's at least partially that like what we've talked about before on the like how much of it do you think is corporate influence and how much of it do you think is intentional decisions being made by the Democrats that they realize that basically since Trump like became like got elected, I guess, is when when the switch would have happened, that it is now in their best interest to always remain in a dialogue with Republicans because all their energy has come in relation to like Republican awfulness. And yeah. so like the accepted wisdom on elections is you never win an election by getting people to vote against someone. And like they just upset that and like had the most votes in the history of a an election that was basically just because they were defined in opposition. Like I I just wonder how much of it is like them sort of catering to and allowing this toxicity of the Republican Party to fester because just within like just as an institution, the Democratic Party, as it's currently constituted, that is what they are. They are the opposition to this horrible Republican Party. And that just leaves them without any sort of, you know, say so. And like what what, you know, the Republicans get to determine the fucking like platform and then they just decide to uh, define themselves in opposition. Yeah, I, 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 I don't mean to say that the Democrats, by any stretch of the imagination, have the pure intentions as it relates to fucking anything. Right. Because we like we've looked at how leadership of both parties has brought this country to this point already with the same ideology. And it's really not built on upsetting the financial system that we have in this country or creating, you know, a, a system that is helpful to working people or people in need. So I, they definitely benefit from just being able to be like, oh, man, can you believe what the Republicans are doing? Oh, <laughs> golly, you guys should send me 50 bucks so I can fight this. And the Republicans <laughs> do the same thing, because right. at the end of the day, like Republicans are just there to halt any kind of progress and to regress. Right. And the Democrats are using an air of progress to sort of paint a more optimistic picture. But when you look at the tools available to them to bring about the progress and they're just sitting on them, it's yeah. hard for me to believe, like, what's your actual end game here? Right. Because if it is what you're saying, you have the tools there, then fucking use them. And like all of this talk of like, well, you know, like, what if they get in power? It's like, yeah, we know. We, we know, know what's what going to happen. Yeah. But you're going to just fucking sit there. Us. So then what yeah. the fuck is this? Yeah. All right. So we'll we'll keep an eye on that one. Uh, anyway, a shit show. <laughs> a complete <laughs> you know? fucking shit show. And again, and this is like so important. Like this is like, uh, you know, prior to this, like I think fucking the uh, the Affordable Care Act was probably like the biggest thing that was being proposed on the Hill that would bring about all kinds of change. And that went from a really great idea to this other sort of mutant version. So right. in a way, that's probably what's going to happen here. Like, I don't I'm definitely not optimistic that the three point five trillion dollar version that Joe Biden was like, hey, this is going to help America. I don't I don't see that working. Right. Like, the I, Republicans I just, I, can't allow something that is that successful to get passed because then like that's such a big win for the Democrats. Like, yeah. And so. then the odd part is they would never they, themselves propose any legislation like that because it would completely upend how they do business with their donors. Right. How did the so the the whole thing about the debt ceiling where the like it's a, you know, the national debt is an issue that suddenly becomes uh, important to Republicans whenever a Democrat's in office and then that completely disappears as an issue the second a Republican's president. Like, how did the shutdown happen under Trump? Do you remember the dynamics of that? Uh, what the fuck was it was an. 
God, that was like at the end of the year. I'd have to remember like what exactly yeah. was going on. And it was one that, remember, they that was like a thing where Trump was like, I'll own the shutdown. I'll own yeah. it. It'll be right. me because he wouldn't negotiate. That's right. That's right. And that's and then that's what happened. And it wasn't necessarily the best story for them. But prior to that, they were voting to raise the debt ceiling. Right. Because they just like even when Trump was in office and but I mean, when you look at sort of the debt that we were looking at now, it's mostly been at the hands of the Trump administration. I mean, not to say that we weren't in debt before that, but a lot of it now is from just all the runaway fucking spending and giveaways from the Trump administration. Yeah. Guys, if I can bring Narcos back around here, <laughs> yeah. what, I, what I've noticed that there's a theme here is that I feel like we're a bit naive or, again, like a, collectively a bit optimistic in that like the system can be uh, reined around, brought back into focus where it's functional. But if you look at all the drug lords, they all have the same trajectory with absolute power corrupting and that like they're giving money to all the communities they're from in the beginning and then as soon as someone starts to get in their way, they get a little comfortable with the idea of like, maybe we should kill them. And then by the end, they're like, yeah, well, I think we should kill every judge, everyone that right. ever took a penny from us. And they're right. fine with that. And I feel like a lot of our politicians are subject to the same level of power in that, like, it feels oh, yeah. good in the beginning. I'm here for the community. I care about you. I want your kid to get an education. And then they get an arm put around them that's explaining the benefits of arming these Contras or why funneling in drugs and paying for that sort of thing is okay. And they should turn the other cheek and this money in your pocket, think what you can do for your community. Yep. And all of a sudden they're corrupted and they go, I, I think the bigger thing at picture here is that my poor constituents at home, they don't understand it. And we're all there going like, please do the right thing. And they're 10 levels above in evil and corruption that we're not going to bring them back down. It's too far. Yeah, I don't think to me, I can only say that there's like maybe only a couple politicians that are in D.C. now that seem like human beings with a soul that right. understand like what the government's role is in people's lives. Katie Porter's just out there shredding everybody. She she gives like such tangible evidence that she gives a shit. It's great. Yeah, no. And, yeah. and I and I think and that's the thing. I think that's probably where my optimism comes from. And it's maybe misguided because I'm more sort of feel for them that they are very alone. Mm -hmm. over there yeah trying everything they can to get these other fucking career goblins <laughs> to fucking leave their seventy thousand dollar refrigeration systems to like understand what it means to help somebody and i think yeah they i think again the, well, i guess where i become optimistic is like well that's at a federal level it's clear what the gridlock is and how bad and how much of a failure this two-party system is that we have here is so that's going to figure itself out or not figure itself out or just accelerates a societal collapse where people have to figure out what the fuck to do after that. Yeah. Or, you know, I can be more optimistic about like local legislation, local politics, where people are trying to do what they can at a local level, because th that is emerging on some level. But I think, yeah, I guess really all that to say is like, yeah, sure. It's it's all it's all pretty fucking terrible and there's no real solution in sight. That's also a pretty accurate description at the moment. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty yeah. wild. like I know and can like talk to my 5-year-old about the fact that like, okay, so here is the main problem that you are going to be working on as a generation for the next uh four-year <laughs> right. lifetime presumably. Uh so just FYI, like that it's climate change and like you know, finding a way to fucking course correct this massive like tanker that we've been driving one direction, like around to another one. He likes shit metaphors. So, I just, <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, uh, all right, let's talk quickly about homeschooling. Now, it's an old issue that uh, is now being seized on by one of the greats to ever do it. Flood the zone with shit uh, being his his uh, calling card or his, you know, thesis on everything. Steve Bannon uh, has recently started trying to organize conservative mothers into uh, homeschooling their kids instead of sending them to schools that have, like, vaccine mandates and mask mandates in place. And also, he's bringing in critical race theory. And this is kind of uh, dovetailing with an overall trend of a surge in homeschooling during the pandemic, you know, not just like schools sending kids home, but like people deciding to uh, educate their children from home, like with them as the teacher. 
which is, you know, just like there's been a surge in working from home and wearing workout clothes to eat Cheetos while sobbing. Like those are <laughs> things that have surged during the yeah. pandemic. And, you know, that's it's it's totally understandable. Polls have showed that a surprising number of parents were more interested in homeschooling even after lockdowns were over and even showed that slightly more Democrats were interested in homeschooling. But the results were pretty much split down the middle. But basically, the conservative side is trying to use this trend to springboard into an overall movement where they can, just like a cult, you know, separate their people from society. And yeah. Oh, yeah. It never fully works, though. I mean, being in stand up or you got I mean, you guys, I'm sure you've had plenty of people on the show or just in your lives that were raised with that really oppressive fire and brimstone sort of viewpoint. And then they got yeah. to a certain age and were like, good Lord, it took some deprogramming. But and they always go on to be some of the most fascinating people you meet. They read all the right. everything they can get their hands right. on. And so you can't constrict someone's mind in the way they're hoping to. You know, they're yeah. hoping that, man, it got so annoying at public school when I would tell my kid that, you know, a man took his rib out and made a woman. And these fucking <laughs> school people are saying that can't be done. Fuck them. <laughs> yeah. So you, like, bring them home and try to, like, just keep this in mind, kid. This is real Look, stuff. Look, it's the rib. It's the rib <laughs> from Adam. <laughs> Touch it. I have a rib. Touch it. It's real. You know, it just is insane that they would, like, well, if I isolate them, maybe we can... Be with the internet, all communicate and be this cult you're talking about, be a group that all believes the same things and create this sort of army of kids that were implanted with the same stuff. It'll never work. Yeah. yeah. Well, this is, you know, this is like you're saying, Jack, this has been a, a, a an issue since time immemorial in this country of going back and forth of like weaponized homeschool. But like when you look at Steve Bannon specifically, like I think he's looking at this as like his, like he was looking at Gamergate, you know? Exactly. He was like <laughs> Gamergate. He's like, there's a group of people who progress has put a weird taste in their mouth. And I think if I can just fuck their heads up a little bit, I can get them to be on a whole other fucking program. That was literally we've talked about before on the show. That was the first step in his like progress from, OK, I see Gamergate to ultimately I need to get an outside the box candidate who will like seize on this. And like he identified Trump like but. Literally, Gamergate was the first step. Yeah, in that thing process. he saw because, yeah. you know, that's his sort of fucked up gift is he's identifying vulnerable groups or energy or groups with potential, like huge potential to be energized for something. And in this case, it's the homeschooling parents and mothers. I think he's saying like the pandemic has already made like you can already see how parents have gone done all kinds of shit in the name of protecting their children, good or bad. But their energy is there and he sees that as a place to be, you know, easy, ripe for manipulation. And he's been saying like, yeah, like, you know, trying to get people to say, hey, man, they're indoctrinating your kids there. You should really you should really consider homeschooling your kids as a way to protest against this, because that's like the new movement, while also at the same time saying that, oh, yeah, the new tactic that we're going to use to sort of fight the culture war, as he said, is like, quote, going through the school boards. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, and then flipping the table there. Yeah. Have you guys read The uh, Time Machine by H.G. Wells? Uh, I think when I was in school. I yeah, I think that. I had oh, it okay. in school. So, like, there's, I have a version of it with a foreword, and this is, like, late 1800s. And he's like, oh, I, I wrote this book because with access to more information that had ever been available, it was really disappointing to see people go the other way and get dumber and use it for, like illicit means or sort of, you know, mindless. And you're like, what was that even? Was there a back section of the paper that people were turning to? What is he even referencing? They were reading yeah. dumb penny, penny, what do they call those? And, yeah, novels yeah. as opposed to like hard, uh, difficult literature. I don't know. But this yeah, is when well the, before the internet. Yeah, the, the advent of the printing press, paper was still very expensive and binding like was still very expensive. So basically... They were printing out like these things became very popular that were like one page, like what you find in Las Vegas, like with people <laughs> just handing out on the street. <laughs> and like that became a place where, you know, like everybody was able to write, you know, a, a single page worth of like speculation or conjecture. And that was like the Internet of the time. And people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it was unregulated, just like, you know, social media is now. And. 
it led to a lot of wild shit. Uh, a lot maybe of that, but maybe that's and, such a, a human thing that's ingrained right. in us as a species that it, there's going to be this division or this like things like QAnon are not a phenomenon. They're just the most current version of that pamphlet and people isolating and or. But in the in the book, people you know live underground. The people that live on the surface are blissfully ignorant and kind of like childlike in stupidity. And there's definitely one group that's seemingly barreling right toward being that and willingly so, willillfully being like, no, 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 get that science and shit out of here. You need this. I thought you were talking about uh, the time machine (laughs) and not a demolition man, uh, which is the the text that I'm more familiar with that you seem to be describing. (laughs) Apologies. That is a a classic (laughs) book. Yeah, one of the grades. <laughs> yeah, I definitely, I definitely read uh, Demolition Man in school. <laughs> the novelization of <laughs> the Demolition novelization Man. Of Demolition Keep it Man. down! I'm reading Demolition Man. <laughs> it's the part where Dan Cortez is singing the Jolly Green Giant jingle at the Taco Bell. Yeah, <laughs> uh, one of the great scenes in literature. So yeah, but the, so to your point, using homeschooling as a form of protest is absolutely not new. Um, you know, it's not new in terms of protesting vaccine requirements. A group in New York, uh, anti-vaxxers made a big to-do about homeschooling their kids after the state eliminated exemptions for families to opt out of, you know, the standard school vaccinations. Um, and then there's this thing called the Textbook War of 1974 that we don't have time to cover here. I was in West Virginia, and people should look it up. Families uh, we're protesting the idea of their kids having to learn about civil rights and, you know, leaders huh. like Eldridge Cleaver and Malcolm X, uh, which drew the support of the KKK as part of the protest, um, which also included blocking school buses, spray painting racial epithets and bombing the Board of Education building. The parents were asked to teach their kids at home instead, which many did. And yeah, this there's a, there's a long history of this, but I I could totally see him having success in sort of building a movement here yeah well if there's no better way to i mean i typically scaring parents with the livelihoods of their children uh is a is a typically an effective motivator but it's just funny how it like started like the like more prominent homeschool movements were like starting like on the left with people more just being like yeah we're not setting our kids to capitalism training camp (laughs) we're fucking doing our own shit at home learn how to grow roots and shit but i would say that that one maybe to defend that and i don't have any skin in this game but it doesn't feel like that one was trying to get back more toward like a commune kind of agrarian early stages of it takes a village the yeah. thinking there being like, oh, that was a good period where like everyone had a little bit of something to put in your ear and you leave as a kid being like, well, I've heard everyone's point of view as opposed to now. It's more like just oh, yeah. this. Just this. I absolutely Which- think like there are parents, there are families for whom like homeschooling makes a lot of sense. And I'm sure there are examples of like homeschooled children who didn't have to like deprogram and like came out like really well educated. Mm-hmm. It's just... It like as a national movement, it started there as like, you know, capitalist deprogramming. And then in the 80s, the sort of Baptist Christian right movement kind of came and took hold of it to the point that now if you're looking into homeschooling, like it's really hard to find like teaching materials that aren't like aimed at like, you know, proving that man and dinosaurs lived on Earth at the same time. And, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And it's and that's why, like, this whole issue is so everyone has all their different motivations, too, because it's funny. Now you'll see people on the right say schools are just made to make you into like non thinking automatons in the indoctrination. (laughs) Like, wait, that was there. The left's argument in the 70s. Okay, well, that came back around. Well, so much. And then even look too. there's there's even more like there's an increase of like black parents, too, who are homeschooling because they just don't want to subject their kids to the racism of modern America. And you're like, yeah, that's fucking valid, too. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. So you're seeing like it's it's like this very malleable issue but in this case as it relates to steve bannon i think he truly sees a group where he says if i if i flip a few switches i'll have an army i think he said something like it's gonna it's like the tea party on steroids or something i don't know have you seen his uh screenplay about the la riots because he he's thinking about everyone yeah his his musical about the la riots uh yeah (laughs) 
So, you know, don't don't count him out just yet. He he right. likes being a villain, it seems like. And I mean, think of how many crime stories you've heard about. And when the person is inevitably like killed or captured or whatever, there's some something. Oh, they were pulled over. They were incarcerated for two years in this state. But this information didn't make its way here. And you're like, oh, if this state had only known he right. was incarcerated. I mean, he was on his, well, <laughs> his way to be. And to be like that pardon may have been such a huge moment, like looking back in 10 years from now, like, wow, had that not happened, this whole crazy movement may not have taken off. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see who he gets behind for the next election. But he has failed is. a lot. So maybe he'll fucking fail at this, too. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, not to say that, but it's just something. But I think more than anything, it is something to really be aware of, Steve Bannon or not. It's QAnon. There are many other people who are looking at school boards as like very easy to win local elections yeah. to get in there. And suddenly now you're going to be like, yeah, we don't talk about like rocks anymore <laughs> yeah. or matter or carbon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the there is important work being done by schools like, you know, that are having to. There's a lot that needs to change about how we educate kids because the world is fucking rapidly like headed towards an extinction level event. And that is they're going to be fighting that, you know, kicking and screaming. So there this is going to continue to be an issue uh, past the pandemic, you know, with what's it called? Critical race theory and with like any science teaching that acknowledges uh, what what we're up against. Right. So, yeah. All right. Let's take another quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And all right. So we heard what David had to say about, you know, one way that we express our affection for Michael Jordan through buying <laughs> uh, Jordans of various origins. But, you know, they are things with giant plastic clods on the bottom of them. They're made from like they can't it couldn't be less organic or, you know, I feel like most of the shoes I've ever owned are still not uh, close to biodegrading. No. We, But here we have another option for that I fans, think. Yeah. yeah, for the fans out there, specifically even fans of Jordan. So someone has decided to buy his used underwear at auction. They paid two thousand seven hundred and eighty four dollars. Eighty four nineteen bids. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a pair of boxers. So that's makes it a little less disturbing to me. I guess. But the company like I would have the, valued them personally at like two thousand five hundred, like is what I would have been willing. To I okay. would have had Stand them uh, a thousand times more expensive. Well, hold on. Think of how many different <laughs> pairs of shoes he wore on the court that became right. available. This is one. I mean, if you're talking about exclu exclusivity, this is a great purchase. One of one underwear. Yeah. <laughs> I like that the company that was do, uh, do it, putting the auction on said that their uh, boxers have evidence of, quote, definite use. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no! Oh. <laughs> but th what they mean to say is that there are, like, loose threads, a dry cleaning tag. Like, it had clearly been in the rotation of this man. Not to say, like... And you can see his shit stains for two for two K. <laughs> right. But this is like when I look at this, it it really does like raise the question. Like I get again, I'm I'm a fan of all kinds of shit. And there there is memorabilia that I dream of owning someday. But it's typically very directly tied to the work of the person or the contributions of the person that I admire. Like if it's Jordan, I get sneakers, I get jerseys. And I even fuck it, even a half smoked cigar like, you know, that's still part of his like identity. And you're like, oh, shit, this is like Jordan smoked this. But the underwear is so nondescript. And yeah. it's and like, look, and if also like if you're kind of freaky, like, do you really want them clean? Right. Like, yeah, we we had a at Cracked, we interviewed a woman who made her living selling her used underwear on a Reddit I forget what the what the board was called, but and right. yeah, it was it was almost always, 
you know, much more valuable if it had any sign signs of, of use. definite use. Yeah, signs of definite use. Who right. would who would be the go to? Like, oh man, everyone knows those underwear. Like maybe Flavor Flav or something like that. Mark, like Mark Wahlberg. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Um, Even then, like, or or I get it. Like, if it's someone who's like posing in their underwear, then underwear right. makes sense. Mm-hmm. But then it, to me, it just seems like. I get it. Like, fuck it. If you're a fan, like you'll buy anything. But it's, it would just be hard for me to look at it and be like, yes, Michael Jordan is here. <laughs> you wouldn't frame him up underwear. Get him under I mean, glass. Have people is, over and like, well, we have time. He is a Haynes spokesman. Just make up. Just make up fake memorabilia you have. Yeah. You're like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's Frederick Douglass's sock that I got. <laughs> Who's going to say <laughs> something? Nobody. Well, going back to the replicas, too. I mean, when. There's so many documentaries about people faking art, faking wine, faking right. out ultra wealthy people. You you end up being on the side of the forger of like the thing you like is the price tag. You don't really value the skill it took to make that bag or the the those bags are churned out at such a rate. There's no craftsmanship anymore. And so yeah. like the underwear, whatever you're putting up there, you're you need like the the signed thing that says this was real. This was this person's yeah. thing. Like, but I could also fake that. There's there's no t- like for yeah. real way, unless you had a DNA testing kit in your home, you could have people come over and be like, drop it in, see whose DNA shows up. And they'd be like, it's Jordan. <laughs> oh, shit. That's yes! like the only real way. Right. I feel like I came up with the Mark Wahlberg answer too quickly. Uh, <laughs> that It I, was I might yeah. as, impressively rapid. I might as the well acknowledge I have here. bid on a pair of uh, Marky Mark's fun, funky bunch underpants uh funky bunched funky up pants. underwear uh, they're funky they do bunch up uh they do have signs of use but yeah i don't know i mean like i think what for anyone you're a huge fan of what how far away from the like prime memorabilia that you would want to have could you see yourself getting not to say like not to say that you'll spend x amount of dollars but at what point does something become less special to you as it relates to the object of your fandom I, mean, I think I'm a bad person to weigh in on this because I really don't get I as a kid, you know, like Jordan, Gretzky, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, the, these fig, if I had seen them. But as I got older, it feels like almost every hero you ever meet is just a person. Piece of and shit. And they're like, yeah, excuse me. I need <laughs> yeah. to use the restroom real quick. Like that. Ah, fuck, that's disappointing. Right. I just don't imagine <laughs> them doing anything but like elevating or levitating or something. So you see them and it's just hard for me now to be a fan and has been, I think for like, since I was probably like 16 or 17, I just, the idea of buying someone's thing, I don't, it just stopped being appealing in any way. And so I, mm. I apologize. I'm not great to wait. No, no, no. One. That's it, not, not, we're all different on this earth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, I don't know. Jack and I are fan brained. I'm fan brained. I, I'm trying, I'm trying to think of like what I would care about. Like that it, to have at that like museum level like would be a showcase in yeah i want jay dilla's mpc uh fucking production unit right. that he made donuts on like That's i would love i would have yeah. that shit i'm like look at that shit like the <laughs> he band, made donuts on this shit the band phoenix bought the uh bought the mixing table that made thriller and they paid a absurd amount of money for it but it's one that I was like, okay, like that makes sense to me. You yeah. like could use that for your like profession, like the music that made the album Thriller traveled through this. Like that is fucking dope. Yeah. And I think that's the, I think it, for me, it has to be very specific. Like yeah. the second it's like, this is Jay Dilla's hat that he wore. And I'm like, well, that's cool. Right. But like for me, like I still, I still think about things like that. I'm like, oh, that would be so cool to just yeah. interact with. <laughs> Unless it's like, you know, the hat worn by Marky Mark, let's say during that uh, <laughs> photo shoot, because like then, like you can smell like what his sweat smelled like oh, at that time, and like man. it's just <laughs> what a terrible just... person. To be. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can smell the dracar that he was wearing at that time. I'm guessing. I can smell the blood from that man he beat up in Boston long yeah. ago. Yeah. Mm. 
Oh, come on. Don't bring that up. That, that bums Jack out. That's what he always says when I bring that up. He goes, come on, don't bum me out. Like, and he apologized <laughs> to that guy. So, uh, or he issued an apology that that <laughs> he guy probably heard. <laughs> I'm right over here. I'm in the front row. Anyway, I'd like to Anyways, just get this out uh, there. Hey, who's go, my underwear? You I'm going to go underwear? kick it with the Pope. <laughs> still uh one of my favorite things the catholic church has ever done send the pope to america and have his mc for his pope event be marky mark <laughs> like, wow <laughs> when was hell that? yeah dog uh it was in philly uh it was this one is of john the... paul no 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 the new cool pope so oh know. recently yeah yeah when oh, he shit. when cool pope came to america <laughs> which is a, a novel I'm working on. Yeah, he like stopped along the East Coast. Uh, you know, he went to New York. I think he did Yankee Stadium. And then when he was in Philly, Marky Mark was the guy, which is weird because he's not like Boston would have made more sense, I think. But, you know. And was, was he just like out there? He's like, what's up, Philly? I hope you're ready to fucking turn up. We got the one and only Bishop of Rome, Vicar of Jesus Christ, successor of the Prince of Ap Apostles, Supreme Pontiff of the Universal Church, Primate of Italy, Archbishop and Metropolitan of the Roman Province, Sovereign of the State of Vatican City, Servant of the Servant, the Pope. <laughs> The Pope. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even know his name. Yeah. <laughs> Knows all those other descriptors. <laughs> yeah. Not the yeah, the, uh, he's the, a good Catholic to that point where he's like, I don't know, that shit got drilled into my head of the Pope's many titles. But then I just, I don't know, the Pope. <laughs> Look at that fucking hat, you guys. Look at that. Yeah. That's like, hey, is that fitted, bro? Is that new, era, bro? <laughs> David, it has been such a pleasure having you, as always, on the Daily Zeitgeist. Where can people find you and follow you? DavidHuntsberger.com is the best place. There's links to everything and stream albums. You can, um, any of the other presento type things or extravaganzos that are there, mm -hmm. podcasts, et cetera. And then social media links are there also. So DavidHuntsberger.com. And the, the newest thing is uh, called Big Nothingness, available everywhere. And by that, I mean yeah, YouTube. Yeah. And then all the, the album, the audio is on, on all the streaming sites. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and is there a tweet or some work of social media you've been enjoying? Man, I was really scrolling and so bummed out that I wasn't really finding anything. And I still haven't, but I can't scroll anymore. I just hate it. And I got to really rethink who I'm muting and unmuting because this is travesty. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to share this one from Ahmed Weinberg, who it's just, it's just a, a thought that we've all thought, and why in the hell do they not do this? But message to all airlines, load the window seats first, then middle, then aisle, then go fuck yourself for not figuring this out earlier. Yeah. <laughs> and what is going on? Why are we dealing with just 50 years of flying this way where there's that weird structure of people squeezing by other people and putting bags up while other people still need to get back. It, well, because first we have to welcome our people who've thrown their money away on multiple flights uh, to right. create some <laughs> sort of caste system, even when boarding a plane. <laughs> the caste system. <laughs> we have to have all that class sort of uh, yeah, that def right those definitions face. every fucking where. <laughs> they should book like the terminals like spirit right next to the highest end of Delta. So you'd have to even feel it more of like, hey, right, that's right. two backpacks. Get the fuck out of here. Now, those of you that want to bring on show dogs, come this way, bring your <laughs> cocaine. There you go. And then, <laughs> yeah, families also fuck that up for you. Yeah, you know? they really do. And I get, yeah. yeah, I get that. You know, that the, look, if you're struggling, if you, the kid, I feel, I feel for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Do that. Everyone else, you're all the same, asshole. You sit in the first class or you sit in the middle seat in economy minus or plus or whatever the fuck they call it. Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Man, find me Twitter and Instagram at Miles of Gray. Also, the 90 Day Fiance podcast. I do 420 Day Fiance. Check that out. Twitch.tv slash 420 Day Fiance. That's with Sophia Alexandra. And let's see a tweet that I like. Really simple. It's just it's not really a joke. It's just an announcement from Billboard at Billboard tweets. Eminem is ready to serve up his famous mom spaghetti at a new restaurant he's launching. And it turns Wait. out, yes, yes, wow. Eminem is going to be serving up mom spaghetti. And he says, yes, it's because of Lose Yourself. I know what the fuck I'm doing here. So, yeah, 
It says the, there's a there's like a whole ad for it. I haven't seen the ad, but the description is a 30 second television ad that aired on local WXYZ showed the rapper vomiting a Chinese takeout container of a, of mom's spaghetti in the Detroit River before revealing the spot's menu offerings of spaghetti with and without meatballs, as well as sketty sandwiches. I assumed that they were going to like steer clear of the fact that the song mentions that he vomits it, but um, yeah, like that it comes, there's vomit on his sweater already. Mom's spaghetti. spaghetti. He's nervous, but on the surface he looks calm and ready. I, we all know to drop bombs. Yeah. Even Dave, Dave, see, we all know, but we're still, I guess willing. it'd be funny if it's a joke. It's all regurgitated spaghetti. (laughs) I know. (laughs) You're like, don't y'all listen to the lyrics served to you. Baby bird style by Eminem by Eminem. Yeah. There you go. Let's see. A tweet I've been enjoying. Becca O'Neill pointed out uh, Dolly should have just dated Jolene herself after writing that whole song about how hot she was. <laughs> Whitmer Thomas uh, tweeted, Every time my family calls, no matter what time of day it is, they say, oh, sorry, I probably woke you up, which is just great family passive aggression. But I, I appreciate <laughs> that art form. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, where Hello. we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as the song that we think you'll enjoy. Hey, Miles. Yeah. What song do we think people will enjoy on this? Oh man, let's morning. let's do this artist I've I've been liking for a minute. Uh, Deb Never, her whole fucking style is really dope. It's like I guess you call it lo-fi alt pop, and you know this song is called Coca Cola, and uh, she has a new album. It's really really fucking cool, and I just really you know I'm, I'm I like the youth the youth artists right now. They're, they're doing their thing, and uh, they do not disappoint. So check this out. This is Deb Never with Coca-Cola. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. But we're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending. And we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye.